Hi, I'm Charles Wyckoff, and it's an absolute privilege to be here with a good friend and colleague, David Zachs, MD, PhD, Professor of Ophthalmology at the Kellogg Eye Center within the University of Michigan, and then co-founder and chief scientific officer at ONL Therapeutics. David, thanks for being on today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. But David, you, you, you've been a, a mentor of mine for years, probably in, in, in more ways than you've realized. You know, I've always looked up to you as both an MD and a PhD. Um, there's a lot of us in retina, but you've really kind of, you've really towed the line there from both the MD and PhD perspective, right? You're a practicing ophthalmologist, but also you have this passion that you've carried through for years in basic science. And, and maybe the question I'd start with is, what got you interested in the cell death pathway and retinal diseases originally? Yeah, you know, that's uh, really uh, hitting right to the core of uh, what, what we study and what we do. You know, as clinicians, we, we see a lot of patients and, um, and I think one of the most heart-wrenching experiences, and I'm sure you know this and, and a lot of the listeners can relate, um, is when you tell a patient that I'm sorry, but there's nothing more that I can do. And, and it, it really, it, it's, it's, it's painful. And as we think about that, you know, and as uh, we, we try to, to do something about that and, and not have to say that as much, we realize that, that one of the core and, and key reasons people lose vision is because cells in the retina die. Um, and my goal in, in academically was, was to understand that process. And if we could understand that process at the molecular level, then we could potentially develop a, you know, use rational approach to developing a therapeutic to try to prevent that cell death. By keeping cells alive, you know, presumably then improve visual function and outcome. So that really was the passion. Um, and, and, and the, the reason for entering into that field. That makes sense. And there's a lot of ways that cells die, right? I mean, I mean there's sometimes non-specific death and there's, and there's programmed cell death. So just at a high level, give us sort of how retina cells die. What are the different pathways? Yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. Cells can die by pure necrosis. So, you know, we think of that uh, in the setting of, you know, fulminant endophthalmitis, a big infection, you know, it's just, it's, it's the atom bomb being dropped on, on, on the cells and, and probably not much that can be done in that case. But in a lot of the diseases that we're talking about, AMD, glaucoma, which I consider a retinal disease, uh, you know, retinal detachment, these, these cases, you know, you don't have that process going on uh, of necrosis, but you have the activation of cell death pathways. And you're absolutely right, there are lots lots of different cell pathways and there are probably more that are gonna be discovered uh, you know, as we move forward. But the key to this uh, and to, to the studying of this was to try to understand which pathways are activated in the context of this disease that we're studying. So I first started looking at this in a simple model of, of retinal detachment. And the reason I chose that was because it was an acute disease. It was a otherwise normal healthy tissue that was just suffering from an anatomic separation and a and, a, and an acute uh, alteration of the uh, cellular homeostasis. And then we just basically did biochemistry, molecular biology, probing and, and, and uh, you know, uh, interrogating the different death pathways, at least that were known at that time, 
and, um, and you know, seeing which ones were activated and if so, to what extent. And from that, we kind of realized that at least in the context of retinal detachment, the key regulator and the central regulator of uh, photoreceptor cell death was the activation of the FAST receptor. And the FAST receptor is uh, a very upstream activator of cell death. And then subsequent to that, you know, and at that time, what we really knew about was apoptosis. But since then, you know, we've, and, and the work of other people, a big shout out to Demetrius Vavas, who's worked a lot on this yeah. as well, you know, looking at necroptosis uh, and other osis <laughs> pathways that get activated, you know, it turns out that the FAST receptor is an upstream activator of all of these. And what really was interesting was that, and, and probably I didn't appreciate early on, was that the activation of this pathway was not just leading to cell death, but was also leading to the activation of the inflammatory cascade. The activation, the upregulation and release of chemokines and cytokines that activated then the microglial cells and the inflammatory milieu. You know, we don't typically think of retinal detachment as an inflammatory disease. Right, right. It's not, you know, you don't see cell, you don't see no. flare typically. It's, yeah. it's not a uveitis, but when you look at the and you, and you measure the cytokines in the vitreous, I mean, they are sky high. There's almost like a cytokine storm going on. Mm. And when we block with FAST, we, we modulate that process. We modulate and we block the, cell, the activation of cell death pathways, and we block and modulate the activation of the inflammatory cascade. And we think this inflammatory cascade serves as a feed forward loop of inflammation leading to more cell death and these inflammatory cells present more fast ligands and get more cell death, et cetera. So I'm gonna ask you one more, one deeper question related to fast signaling. So what's, so, so what's activating that fast signaling pathway? Is there some cytokine that starts the whole process off? Is it, what, what, what's the initiating event that drives right. fast signaling? That's still not hundred percent uh, known. And, and that's something that we're looking at at the academic level, you know, right. uh, the, you know, it, it's not unreasonable to think that perhaps, um, hypoxia, you know, the, the photoreceptors yeah. are, are nourished to get most of their, uh, nutrients, including oxygen from the choroid through the RPE, yeah. uh, physical separation. It could just be other stress active, you know, pathways, kinases, uh, so we are actively looking at that at, at the academic level, but what we know, uh, though, from an interventional uh, uh -huh. point of view is that you can block the, that, that pathway um, and, 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 uh, and have meaningful impact in terms of cell, you know, reducing cell death. Okay, so you characterize fast signaling. It turns out it's actually important for many retinal diseases for cell death, and then you develop this molecule ONL. 1204, 1204, right? So tell us about that development. Where, where did the idea come from to block this and how did you come up with this molecule? Right, so when we started first to look at the FAST receptor, uh, we blocked it in lots of different ways. We used genetic models, uh, we used siRNA against the FAST transcript, we used neutralizing antibodies and we were just basically using kind of lots of standard different ways that, that you would biologically manipulate um, a system. And then a very interesting paper came out um, in, in Nature 
that showed um, in a completely different system that they could use a small 12 amino acid peptide to block uh, hepatocyte cell death and an acute injury of hepatocyte toxicity. And it turns out that hepatocytes in, in, their, in their model, it died to fast mediated cell death. And they, uh, and this molecule was a, a, a fragment called MET12, which was derived from the MET oncogene. And you think, what does a, the liver and the MET oncogene have to do with the eye? So it turns out that the MET oncogene uh, has a domain in it, which blocks, it sits in and blocks the FAST receptor. It blocks cell death, keeping cells alive and turning it, them into cancers. And this group in Pittsburgh, um, you know, kind of found the core 12 amino acids in that alpha MET sequence that, and they called it MET12, and that was what was blocking cell death in the hepatocytes. The problem that they had was that they couldn't deliver it in a therapeutic manner because it, these 12 amino acid peptides get broken down very quickly in the bloodstream. Right. But we said, hey, let's just synthesize some of this. You know, it's 12 amino acids. They published the sequence. We could then uh, uh, stick it in the eye, and we did. And it, lo and behold, it, it works. It works as, just like the other uh, techniques that we were trying, neutralizing antibodies, et cetera. And, and we were you know, saving a lot of uh, vision in, in, in rodents and in, in models of retinal detachment. First step, disease. first step. First step. And then I kind of had this aha moment and, and you know, there was a, a patient with a Mac off RD who had uh, their surgery delayed for a number of reasons, cardiac issues, et cetera. And while those were getting sorted out, I was uh, uh, working in the lab and, and injecting some, some rodents. We knew this was gonna work. We were just, we had proven this over and over again. We were just getting the sample size up for, for publication and for, for validating it. And it just dawned on me, you know, why am I injecting this just in an animal? I should be putting this in this patient who has surgery delayed, cells are dying. Absolutely. And that's when it hit me. And then, yeah. but you know, there's a process and you know, they teach us a lot about medicine in medical school, but they never teach us where drugs come from. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, we were using this as a reagent grade product. In, 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 and when was that? What, what was the time? What year was that? That was about, the, oh boy, I, I had a lot of hair then. I was looking, <laughs> you know, uh, no, it was, uh, it was uh, probably 2007, eight in yeah. that range. Wow. And um, yeah. Yeah. So it's been, been a little while, but then, you know, um, working with the Office of Tech Transfer, you know, you, you can't just take a product that's dissolved no. in DNSO. And then, you know, we started, you know, slowly working. We got some initial grants. Uh, so, so we, you know, we formed a, a small company and that was mostly just as a mechanism to do the development work. You know, I never fully understood before that there's research and then there's right. development. Right. And, you know, I thought they were all just one and the same, but it turned out, you know, research is where you, you do the basic discovery. And that's really what the academic lab is about. And then development, that's what companies do uh, for the most part. And, and, and so we had a small little company that we started, um, a couple of co-founders and I, and we, we uh, got some funding, uh, initially SBIR grants, and, and we were testing this out, you know, showing feasibility. And, and then, but one problem that we had was, you know, this MET-12 was, you know, you just, we couldn't formulate it in a, in a, in a solution that, that would be compatible with the eye. So then we went on, you know, a big drug discovery 
um, campaign, you know, doing all sorts of analogs and manipulations. And from that, ONL-1204 was born. Right. And, uh, and uh, that's, you know, we, we were actually screening for, for the ability to formulate it, but it turns out it was also a little bit more potent. And uh, that's, that became the lead product. Impressive. So, so we'll make a very long story um, short. I will fast forward now and say now we're in the clinic because you are in the clinic. Yeah. So, so t t t tell us about the ongoing first in human trial that you have going on. What, what data do you have so far and, and what's next? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's been, you know, uh, really just um, amazing um, process to, to even get it into, um, into a form that, that you can inject into a human eye. And, you know, that really was, was the pivotal moment in, in the life of, of, of this project and, and of the company. You know, you, you had a vial filled with, you know, approved drug and you can, uh, you know, approved for clinical trial use yeah. and, uh, you know, very brave patients. So this is a, a, a first in human study. It's being conducted at, uh, in Australia. And the first patient was injected at the Safe Site Institute in Sydney, Australia. And, uh, and the um, PI there is Matt Simonovich. The PI at the uh, Melbourne site is uh, Penny Allen. And uh, we've recently opened up a couple more sites. And the, uh, the patients, because this is first in human, we want to take patients who had the worst prognosis. So these are patients with macula off detachment of greater than, than seven day duration, you know? So, so they typically do poorly, um, you know, or poorer. Um, you can anatomically, you know, put the retina back in position, but the visual outcomes on average are not, not as good as, as, as we would like. And, uh, you know, the exciting thing we're seeing, so this is, of course, is a safety study. It's not powered for efficacy, but mm -hmm. we're, uh, you know, very pleased that uh, we're, we're moving up the dose escalation. And so far, safety looks really good, tolerated very well, doesn't seem to affect the um, surgical outcome at all. Um, and, uh, you know, we're starting to get some, some hints as to, is this working in, in the eye, um, you know, without going into all the detail and boring everybody about this, but really we can probe that, that vitreous because it's a surgical disease. We can take right. the vitreous out and we can look at the, the, the activation of cytokines, their levels, we can measure those. And I would just say, you know, it's, it's looking positive and it's helping us understand that, that yes, we, we are actually changing the, the, the milieu within the eye and hopefully for the better. So that's really exciting. And now, as we move the company forward with, with uh, new funding that's, that's uh, wrapping up now, we'll, we'll be able to initiate new trials and, and expand the indications uh, in which we're gonna be testing this, this drug. Phenomenal, David, that's super exciting. I mean, to have, a, to have something in clinical trials that may actually stop or slow down cell death in retinal attachment would be, would be powerful. And then thought that that could be applicable to other retinal diseases Really exciting, awesome work. Um, can, can I then probe sort of the, the sort of dynamics in your sort of professional life? So now you've got this role of chief scientific officer with a trial program that's, that, that's, that's very active with a lot of ongoing moving parts, I'm sure on a daily basis, and it's growing and expanding to other indications. How do you balance? How do you balance your time between seeing patients, your university you know, appointment, your, your, your colleagues, your residents and fellows that you teach, and then the, and then the CSO position, what, what, what's, yeah. what's your day look like? 
Yeah, so it's, it's really about building teams. So first for full disclosure, I'm, I'm a 100% uh, employee of the University of Michigan. Uh, my relationship with ONL Therapeutics is managed by the Conflict of Interest Office. Um, and, and I say that proudly, um, you know, everything is above board um, and, and we want it to be that way. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I have to really give, give a, a, you know, huge um, thanks to, to the University of Michigan, to the, uh, my former chair, Paul Lichter, and now my current chair, Paul Lee, to the retina service, you know, it's really about building teams. I have been, you know, just really blessed uh, with fantastic colleagues at the Eye Center. Um, you know, uh, we're busy, but it's a fantastic place to work clinically. Um, the patients inspire me. My colleagues inspire me. My coworkers inspire me. You know, these, uh, and I think you, you and I are, are like-minded in this sense. You know, we draw inspiration yeah. from from working with with fantastic people. Yeah. And, uh, and then at, at ONL, you know, I've just been really fortunate to have really good uh, people, um, leadership there that has, you know, brought, moved the company forward. Um, you know, I'm, I'm now a small cog in that, in that machine. That, that's really taking on a life of its own. I work at, at ONL as a, in a consultant capacity, uh, right. again, through the University of Michigan, um, which allows that relationship. And, yeah. And, and I think it's ideal. And, and, you know, there are firewalls, which are good and important to have um, so that, you know, these uh, conflicts of interest are, are managed appropriately. Well, humble as always, David. And, and my last question for you then is, so, right, we have a lot of people in retina that have made this transition, either full-time or part-time or on a consulting basis, like you at this stage in your career, uh, between sort of academics or private practice and, and industry. I mean, it's really, it's really, it's really you know, a common theme across retina specialists. And it's really impressive for me and inspirational for me to see this across our space. What advice do you have? You've done this so successfully over the last 10 years. You've been able to you know, um, really, really sort of bring value to the, to the development space here and yet still have a full-time position at an amazing academic institution. What, what advice do you have to people that are currently practicing but are interested in, in pursuing a relationship with industry or, or pursuing their own ideas from a development perspective? Yeah. You know, I think I, I can really only answer as to, to, you know, what my path has been. And, and I think the, the core is to be true to yourself and, and ask interesting questions. And then you find the right people to uh, help you answer those questions. Um, I don't think there's, um, uh, you know, I think, that, uh, let me phrase it differently. I think that some of these, these walls we've placed in our minds are, are somewhat artificial. Hmm. Look for the best people wherever they may be. They may mm -hmm. be in, in an industry role. They may be in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in an academic center. They may be in, in a private practice. They just, find the right people to talk to. And, and then you can, you know, the, the conflicts, we all have conflicts in, in one way or another. It's, it's about managing the conflicts. And that's why I'm always very careful to, to disclose fully and, and mm -hmm. people know what those conflicts are. They can be the judge of that. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I've, I've only lost money doing research. So it's not like, <laughs> like I'm getting rich off this thing. So, yeah. so you know, it's, uh, 
but it's a you know by asking interesting questions and and I think that it's important to do that so that you don't stagnate you know ophthalmology selects yeah. for some of the brightest people in, in in medicine you know it's just a privilege that we have and you know we have active minds we want to be engaged and you know ask good questions meaningful questions don't worry about whether it's industry whether it's academics for me this is just the path that's ended up being the, you know, a good one that, that's worked for me, for my interests, and, 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 but there is no right or wrong. I think the key is to just be true to yourself and, and ask good questions. I don't, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but uh, that, that's what I find. No, that's great. D David, you're, you're an inspiration to, to all of us in the field. You know, you have an amazing story. I appreciate you sharing it with us, and, and we look forward to watching it continue to unfold. I appreciate you joining me. Well, thank you. And thanks for all your, your wisdom and guidance too. You've, you've played a big part in this.